pray with me. Father, sometimes we fail to realize just how much you love us. Lord, sometimes we fail to realize that you love us at all. We get caught up in everything else. And before we know it, we begin to live as though you don't even exist. We forget you. We sometimes, God, it, it feels like those times that should be the closest, we should be nearest, that you should be most on our hearts are the times that we feel farthest away from you. Lord, would you call us back, bid us to lay aside everything else, and to simply know you once again. As we open up your word, as we talk about the discipline of simplicity, may our lives be simple. Lord, there's going to be lots of stuff. There's going to be lots of events. There's going to be lots of circumstances we cannot control. Keep us singularly focused on you. Help us. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the beauties of the doctrine of the Trinity is that we come to realize that God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit are three unique, distinctive persons with one being. God is a unity. So even though there are three, there are one. There is only one. Part of the beauty of that is to recognize that who God is, he is completely in his entirety. In 1 John chapter 1, when John says that God is light, there are no dark shadows. There are no places where the light's brighter and other places where the light is dimmer. There's no, like, that light right there is a little more blue and this light's a little more yellow. It's none of that with God. He is completely and totally in every bit of his essence and character the exact same. He is light through and through, which means that everything else that he is is also light. He is justice through and through. He is love through and through. He is gracious through and through. He is all-powerful through and through. Any characteristic, any aspect of God's essence is the aspect of his existence. It's not like you've got all these different characteristics that are all kind of bundled together like a bunch of grapes on a vine, and that represents God. That's not how it is. It's also not like there's a whole bunch of stuff that's kind of all around his being, but they're just like different things, and, and, and the being is one central thing. It's not like vacuum attachments where you, he puts on a different attachment when he needs to be something else. Oh, right now I'm, I'm merciful, so I've got my mercy attachment on, but later I'm going to judge, so I'm going to pull off the mercy attachment and put on the judgment attachment. That's not how it is with him either. Everything completely holy. If you took a picture... Y'all seen Venn diagrams, right? A Venn diagram is when you have multiple circles and they overlap and, and there's different regions and things. If, if you took a Venn diagram of God's character and you put every single, you just put a circle for every single attribute of, of God, at the very end, you know what that diagram would look like? One circle. Because all of them would be superimposed directly on top of each other because they're all completely God. Now, why go through this theological lesson? Why talk about the character of God in this way? The theologians sometimes call this his simplicity or his unity. All God is, he is completely and holy. And everything he does reflects every attribute of his at the same time. 
So when God is bringing judgment, he is also doing it in mercy. When God is, is, look at the cross. God pouring out his judgment on his son, and yet on that cross is his greatest show of mercy. Why go through this if we're talking about a spiritual discipline? Well, what's the purpose of the disciplines? It's godliness. The main purpose of the spiritual disciplines is for us to be more like God, to follow him better and be more like him. Now, if God is this way, if God is simple, not in the sense of easy to understand, but in the sense of not complex, if God's that way, then perhaps some of that ought to be true about us too. Now, I'm under no, I'm under no delusions that we're going to be perfectly like God this side of heaven, okay? And I'm under no delusions that even when we get to heaven, even when his perfect work is completed within us, that we will be exactly like God. There are some things that God is that we will never fully, wholly be. But I'm convinced we are to be more and more like him in our simplicity. Some people think of simplicity and they think of the outward expressions. Oh, I'll just get rid of a bunch of my stuff. I'll go live in a 600 square foot uh, tiny apartment house thing. You know, uh, have y'all seen some of those, those tiny houses? You walk in and it's like one room and there's, there's a bed and there's, a, there's enough of a sp- space to cook and, you know, the bathroom and everything is right there, all, all right there, where it's all easy to get to. It's all, it's, it's simple. There's not much stuff. You don't have tons and tons of closet space and clothes because you, you don't need them. There's something about that kind of life that kind of appeals to us, doesn't it? Man, especially when you're cleaning your house. Especially when you're going through your closets and when you're, when you're trying to uh, uh, tidy up the place and you're doing all this different stuff, you start to think, man, I wish I didn't have all this stuff. You really want to wish you didn't have stuff. Pack it up and move it. That'll do it. There's something about this simple life that kind of appeals to us, but at the same time, m- many people who venture to have that kind of life don't find true simplicity because they're focused on the outward. And while it's good, yes, to get rid of all the junk you don't need, and it's good, yes, to, to pare things down, it's good to clear out your schedule, and it's good to, to keep plenty of space and, and to, to have times of peace and rest. Those are all wonderful things. Without the inward reality, simplicity actually becomes legalism because then it comes about doing that stuff. This morning, we talked about some rich folks, and they were trusting in their wealth. You can take out wealth, and you can put just about anything else there, because there's all kinds of stuff we trust in. There's all kinds of things that we put our trust in on a daily basis. And the doctrine of simplicity calls us to recognize that none of it is needed. It calls us, in fact, well, let me put Jesus's words. I think, I think, That's probably a good idea when we really want to express theological truth, don't you? He says it this way. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Now, is that to say none of these things are important? No. Is that to say that we don't have to at least know that we have clothes and food? No. There's a difference here. He doesn't say, don't worry about clothes and food at all. 
He says, don't be anxious. The picture of that word anxious, the picture is like, anybody ever been on a boat in rough seas? That's the picture. Don't, don't be the boat in rough seas. See, things are, you can't control the seas. You can't control the waves. You can't control the storms. That, that's beyond your control. But you can control whether you're storm-tossed or not. In other words, you can control whether your heart is beaten about by the waves or whether you are securely and firmly anchored. Now, there may still be some rocking. That's going to happen. He says, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious about what you're going to eat or drink. Don't be anxious about what you're going to wear. He gives some examples. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow. You ever see a bird planting a garden? Boy, that'd be a fun sight, wouldn't it? I've seen some birds uprooting gardens. I've never seen them planting. He says they neither sow nor reap. Well, I've seen them trying to reap a few times. They don't gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Listen to this. Are you not of more value than they? Raise your hand. Are you more valuable than a bird? You are. And which of you, by being anxious, storm-tossed, can add a single hour to his span of life? You can remove a bunch, but you can't add any. And why are you anxious about clothing? Not only about food. Why are you worried about your clothes? Consider the lilies of the field. How, how they grow. They, they neither toil nor spin. You know, have you ever seen a lily at a sewing machine? No. Yet Solomon in all of his splendor, Jesus says, didn't even look as fine as those flowers. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith. I'm still convinced that that is not a derogatory statement. It's almost as if Jesus is saying you need to be the one of little faith. Little because because it doesn't take much. Faith the size of a mustard seed moves a mountain. It's not the quantity of faith. It's what you put it in. He says you don't need a big faith. You just need faith in the right one. Therefore, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Again, you need to consider these things. You need to have a plan to eat dinner, okay? It's not a bad thing. You need to make sure you have clean clothes, right? You don't, you don't need to be walking around in clothes that haven't been washed in a couple months, despite what some of my kids think sometimes. But don't be anxious about that. Mitchell, sit up, please. He says, for the Gentiles seek after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them here it is here's simplicity you ready y'all know what the verse says but seek first the kingdom of god now we get this backwards we will seek all kinds of other stuff sometimes it's stuff that we have no business seeking we seek the the approval and the praise of men we seek to have Sometimes our name in lights. We seek to have recognition. Or, or just, even if we don't seek our own recognition, we seek the recognition of our kids. You know? There's a, there's a, there's something. And I wish I could remember exactly what it was. But this, this, uh, this Asian girl and her dad are talking. 
in, in this uh, movie or TV show, and she says, I want to do this or, or something with her life. And her dad says, uh, you said that wrong. It's doctor. <laughs> like, like, no, you're supposed to be a doctor. You're supposed to be a, a really important person so you can make a lot of money and take care of me, right? You know, that's kind of the idea. We get this thing where we want our kids to be prestigious. We want, even if it's not us, we want them to do something great. I want Mitchell and James and Brantley and Savannah to all grow up to be great people. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to see them fulfill their potential and fulfill their God calling on their lives. There's nothing wrong with that per se, but we become so focused on that. Or we become focused on great things, things that are absolutely wonderful. I can think of I can think of several people that that God called them, and they became so engrossed in the details of how to do it. What should I do? How, what steps do I need to take? Exactly how is this going to work out? And they planned it and planned it and planned it. And in the meantime, God is sitting there waiting, saying, uh, uh, "You gonna you gonna listen to me here?" We find that either either we're like Moses and we say, "I can't." Or, or we're like, we're like so many countless others, like Abraham. Let's take him for an example. He says, well, I'm just going to have to do this myself. It's taking too long. No. Jesus says, no. Don't seek what you need to do for the king. Don't seek prestige. Don't seek. Don't even seek the basic necessities of life first. Don't even make sure that you've got the clothing and, and the food and drink that you need until you've sought God's kingdom. So it's a foreign way for us to think. We want to jump right in. We want to make our plans. We want to have everything scheduled out or at least a roadmap of where to go from here. Jesus says, no, seek first the kingdom of God. Because when we do that, when our mind is singularly focused on God himself, the rest gets taken care of. I need not quote very many stories. I would encourage you to read George Mueller's Answers to Prayer. You don't even have to read very far. You just read a few pages of it and you'll already see. The reason his story is so powerful is because not one single day, he ran this orphanage sometimes with hundreds of kids in this orphanage. He never asked for a single donation. He never asked for money. He never asked for food. He never asked for anything to do with the needs of that orphanage. There's only one, one that he would ask for that, and that was God himself. And yet time after time, day after day, God provided and provided and provided. And I, and I sincerely believe that it's because George Mueller started with the kingdom and then said, God, okay, there's these other things that, that I'm not sure about. Would you please take care of those? Because he starts with the kingdom. That is the inner reality of simplicity. To be simple means not to be composed of many parts. And the problem with us as humans is that we tend to get our will chopped up and divided among several things. We want this, but we want that. We, we face dilemmas all the time. You know, I really like this, but that's on sale. I really like having time to myself, but there's, all, but there's these other things that I could be doing. 
I, I, I'm, I'm one. I really need to read. But I've only got like five minutes, so I can't really re- get that far. And I don't like to read a portion and then stop in the middle of a section. Like, I at least want to get to a heading. You know, from heading to heading. Or better yet, chapter to chapter. I, I like to read uh, uh, big, defined chunks. I'm not going to sit here and read two, uh, three pages that are all under one heading when I've got more of that heading go. I get lost. I lose the train of thought when I do that. So I don't really have much time. I don't know that I can really make much progress here. I guess I'll wait till later. We get so focused on everything else that we lose the simplicity of seeking God's kingdom first. I love what Jesus says next. He says, therefore, oh, uh, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You seek after God and all these things will be added to you. He knows you need, he's going to provide for that. Don't worry about that. Yeah, that doesn't mean don't make any kind of plans. That doesn't mean don't just sit around and wait for God to do everything and don't do anything yourself. You still got to get up and do something. If a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat, Paul says. I think that's a, that's a pretty good description of the fact that we got to actually do something. But God will take care. He'll give you the strength to work and the food to eat. I, I pray before I eat meal at lunch, I'll, I'll thank God for the food and for the strength to earn it because I recognize that I, I need him for both. And depending on the kind of day I'm having it to that point, <laughs> some days I really need it more than others. <laughs> Some days I'm acutely aware of how much I need his strength. Seek first the kingdom. So how do we do that? First, seek first the kingdom. <laughs> Get a, is that clear enough? Like, like we got to actually seek first the kingdom of God. As we're doing that, God will be opening our eyes, sometimes to opportunities, sometimes to ways to remove distractions. That's where the outward expression begins. That's where you start saying, you know what? Maybe I don't need a seven-bedroom house if there's only me living here. That's a lot to clean. I saw something the other day. There was an advertisement for a uh, a four, what was it? It was like a a six-bed, four-bath house in Montgomery that was selling for over $400,000. And I I just thought to myself, who would want to clean that? I mean, I guess if you got enough kids old enough, they clean it for you. I don't know. Good luck with that, right? <laughs> Maybe it's time to pare down some things. There's a verse in, uh, oh goodness, I can't remember where it is now. It's in one of the law books. It's in one of the Pentateuch where he says, do not harvest the edges of your fields. Basically, the idea is you leave the edges of your fields unharvested. You don't let your, don't let your workers reap on the edges so that when the sojourner when the alien, when the person who is, who is poor or needy among you comes across your field, they have food available for them. In other words, you leave a barrier, you leave a margin that is there for, to provide for other people. What if we did that with our time? Some of you are more type A than me. In my half type A personality, I like to know about when I need to do things and try to figure out what's the latest time I can get up and still make it to work on time. Maybe, maybe y'all aren't like that. I, I, that that's, that's a struggle for me, okay? 
I struggle sleeping at night, and so every minute I can possibly get, which makes me even madder when Carrie decides to set an alarm early or something, because it's like, oh, come on, I could have had more time. What if instead we built in the margin? What if instead of trying to pack every single minute with something to do, what if we simplify, cut some things out, leave a little bit of space, and take those opportunities to seek again the kingdom of God? What if, not just time, what if we decided that, you know, I've been planning for this particular thing. I've been waiting for it to go on sale. I'm I'm, I'm going to buy it. What if we said, you know, maybe I don't need that after all. What if we planned in a little bit of money extra in the budget? We just said, you know what, we've got this much that we can spend. Let's, Let's keep a little aside and just... Just keep it in a jar just for when God wants to show us what to do with it. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's tomorrow. Maybe it's two years from now. I've been amazed. I've seen people save and save and save little by little over time. When I was a summer missionary, uh, when I was in college, I I did summer missions. And one of those years, uh, I told the church that I was at that, um, that, we were going to collect coins for summer missions and, and just trying to get as much as we could to, to help because um, there were funds available to help summer missions, summer missionaries, but there's always a need for more. And there's always students that, that the, the state board is trying to send, but they just don't have the funds to be able to do that. And so I you know, I'm helping kind of raise money for that. And I said, I said, you know, just bring me your coin. I'll even, I'll even roll it for you. That was, I should have thought about that because the, the next Sunday I got $120 worth of pennies unrolled as well as a bunch of other coin. We had a water jug. Thing was almost completely full. Someone brought in a coffee can of a bunch of coin. They had just been storing away for years. They said, I, I, I didn't know. I, I, I've just been putting spare change in here. I don't know how much it is, but here. God had been working for years, and that happened to be the time. There were a few folks that helped me roll coin. Um, so I can't say that I rolled all of it by myself, but yeah, that, that was pretty... That was pretty interesting. The next Sunday, I was like, all right, just, just bring me bills from now on. <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't so ready for any more uh, coin. But to see, to see the generosity of folks that had been saving for a long period of time, just, I could have never done that. Not, not in the sense of, like, I couldn't have scheduled that. I couldn't have planned that. And I'm sure when they started throwing coins in that jar, they didn't think that it would end up years later in some college on some college kid's desk at home, him trying to roll it and, you know, use the money for mission work. But they had some available and they were willing just to put it aside and wait for God to give instructions. Simplicity. Seeking first the kingdom of God. Even when we don't understand, even when we don't see exactly what this is for or why we should do this, when you seek first his kingdom, he works the way he's going to work. Something else occurs to me. If your goal in this is just to have less stuff, you're missing the point. If your goal in this is just to have more time, you're missing the point. If your goal in this is not to spend so much money or just to be a little more free to do whatever, that you're missing the point. The point of all the outward things 
is to bring life to the inward reality that you're trying to be more like God. One other thing, God's character always reflects his attributes. In other words, God always acts mercifully, justly, lovingly, omnipotently. He always acts according to who he is. So part of simplicity is us bringing our actions in alignment with our beliefs, with who God is making us to be. This is where I struggle the most because there are times when I know that I don't do. Y'all don't have that problem, do you? Yeah, we all do. Mitchell, sit up. Thank you, buddy. Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added to you. This is another one of those disciplines that's hard to practice in just a few minutes. So why don't we take just a moment and let's pray. We're going to practice silence too for a minute. Practice prayer and just ask God, what is it that's getting in the way? What is it that's keeping me from seeking your kingdom first? Surrender it to him. Let's pray. Father, you tell us to seek first your kingdom. Sometimes other things just, they intrude, they interrupt. We start to worry over things that we have, or sometimes it's not necessarily a physical possession. It might be a reputation or a position at work, or we start to worry about circumstances that are out of our control, or, or individuals that we care about that are making terrible decisions, or we care about we, we, we get anxious about all these different things, and the fact of the matter is we let those things come between us and you. Father, would you consume our visions? Would you make yourself known to us in new ways? Would you open our eyes to see you more clearly? Rapture us with your beauty. Flood our thoughts with the things of you. Keep us from the distractions, from the things that so easily get in the way. Help us to be simple. Lord, when those things need to get sold off or given away or um, excluded, when those things need to be canceled, subscriptions ended, activities crossed off the calendar, and Lord, help us to do those things. Whatever it takes, whatever it takes, God, help us seek first your kingdom. Thank you that you are simple. Not easy to understand, that's for sure, but simple. Thank you that you are who you are, completely and wholly, and help us to be that way too. Help us to be more and more like you as we seek first your kingdom. Provide what we need, that we may not care about the things of this world, but our only concern would be you. Father, we're your children. Thank you for being our Father. In that wonderful name of Jesus, we ask these things. Amen.